0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Farrell Shepherd of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. And I'd like to welcome you to another Sending Forth the Light Radio broadcast. This broadcast is for Monday, March 6th, and we are so glad that you're tuned in and listening, and glad to be able to send out these messages over the Light and Truth Radio Network. Well, we are rejoicing in the fact that we just had our one-day emergency marathon this past Saturday, and the Lord helped us meet our goal and actually exceed it. We were striving for $10,000 in a one-day marathon and actually ended up with $10,945. And then actually this morning, a caller called in and said, I'm going to give that last 55 to make it an even $11,000. And so we rejoice in that and praise God for it. Also, Brother Jimmy Moyes and his family was with us yesterday. Their family sang in our services Sunday morning and Sunday night. And by the way, they've got a new CD out, and we'll be offering that coming in a few weeks, uh, offering that on the new music program, some of their songs from that new album that was recorded up here in Evansville at Faith Music. We appreciate that and uh, appreciate them making that available to us. But Brother Moyes preached on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And we had good services, and we rejoice in the Lord for that. Thank God for a good weekend and for his many blessings. Do keep us in your prayers as this week we continue broadcasting and the message that we've got lined up for this week. Pray that God would use it for his glory and his honor. Well, today also, this being Monday, the first Monday of the month, uh, this is fellowship meeting time. And so we're going to be going over to Sugar Grove Baptist Church today. I I have uh, that this morning and uh, be there in their services for the Preacher's Fellowship. And so I'll be making more mention of that on tomorrow about how that went and let you know as that goes along. So keep us in your prayers, if you will. On today's broadcast, we're going back into the archives and pulling out a sermon that I preached live on the radio. I preached it right straight into the radio mic, a sermon entitled, Why? Our church uses the King James Bible and I'm going to be preaching today from Matthew chapter number four and verse number four. So I hope you stay tuned and enjoy the message. Well, we're going to play a good song by our family and then get right into the message. Amen. Amen. I hope that song was a blessing to you and I'm, I'm glad that I'm serving the real God. I'm glad I've got a God that can answer prayer, a God that can still save sinners still put homes back together, can still do great and mighty things. Amen and amen. Well, I promised we'd start reading in Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 4, and I'm bringing a message entitled, Why We Use the King James Version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now those were the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. If You know your scriptures. You know that he was in the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Nothing to eat. And he faced the devil there. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. The Bible said to be tempted of Satan. And God used him. God allowed Christ to face the devil. And he allowed Christ to overcome the devil. But the way he overcame him was with the Scriptures. And I want to say it is very important that we have the Scriptures. It is very important that we hold to the Scriptures. Amen. Now, let me just say, starting off this this series, our church is one that has decided to stick with the old King James version of the Bible. Sometimes it's called the 1611 King James because of the original printing date and the release date uh, there around 1611. However, Because of much confusion about that date, I generally, usually refer to it simply as the King James Bible. Now, I don't usually refer to it as the King James Version because I don't look at it as just another version like all those other just versions. I look at it as a Bible. I believe it is the Bible, the King James Bible. I wouldn't argue with you uh, about the way you say it, but I, that's how I say it, all right? So more than likely throughout most of this study, I'll be saying the King James Bible. Now, you know there's been a multiplication of modern language English Bibles. And I put those words modern language in. Quote, this is one of the most, the most important religious phenomena of recent years. It's our view that this production of these new translations has served to undermine the scriptural foundations of our country. Rather than help our country, it has undermined the spiritual foundations of our country and it has weakened the message of the churches of our country. Amen. You see, these new versions are not really better than the old one. Oh, no, they're not better. And I'll say more about that. As we go along, but this modern religious phenomenon of changing bibles i 'm telling you just constantly changing Bibles, but uh, has undermined and destroyed and damaged the spiritual foundations of our nation. It has weakened the message of our church. You see the abandonment of the King James Bible by our churches has not been a good thing. It has not been helpful. We at the Island Ford Baptist Church are going to keep using the King James Bible. We're going to stay with the Old Bible for several compelling reasons. Amen. Several reasons. And in this series of sermons on this broadcast, I do not intend to preach against these other versions primarily, but mainly preach for and demonstrate why we are for the King James Bible. Amen. This uh, program's not intended to be an expose so much. It's not intended to be one that would just flam blast what others are doing. But my purpose is to tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it and make the explanation thereof. There are dozens of different English versions available today. Some say over a hundred different English versions available today. New ones seemingly coming out every few months. Uh, There is no way that I could deal with each of these. There's no way I could even deal with the majority of these. So I'll just mention a few that would be useful in our description to describe and explain our points. Now, I mentioned that I have several compelling reasons why we have chosen to stay with the King James Bible I'm going to give you five major reasons, and these are the five we're going to preach on throughout these coming days. First of all, there are theological reasons. Secondly, there are textual reasons. Thirdly, there are philosophical reasons. Fourth, there are cultural reasons. And fifth, there are practical reasons. Now, we will look at these five lines of reasons throughout this sermon series over the next few days. Right now, we're ready to begin looking at these points in a little more in-depth. And we'll start with the theological reasons. I'm going to start off by saying in these theological reasons that some of these new Bibles are dangerous. ...because of the theological bias of their translators. You see, for example, the Revised Standard Version of the Bible was presented to the public as a complete work in 1952. It was authorized by the notoriously liberal National Council of Churches. The unbelieving bias of the majority of the translators in that version is evident. It's evident in such readings as Isaiah 7.14. Here's how the Revised Standard Version says it. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." You see the difference? I believe if you're familiar with your King James Bible, you recognize the difference immediately between this reading and the way the King James verse reads. And it's very important, the reading. The old Bible says, quote, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, I want to ask you a question. What would be miraculous about a young woman conceiving and bearing a son happens every day? It happens every day. A young woman conceives and bears a son. But for a virgin to conceive takes a miracle. By the way, many of those in the National Council of Churches, many of those liberal theologians do not believe in miracles. They do not believe that the God of the Bible is a miracle-working God. Therefore, they take the miracles out. And that's exactly what happened with this liberal bias being shown in the Revised Standard Version. They take away the virgin birth of Christ. Amen. Uh, This word, or the the word that's used in the original Hebrew, has long been understood to mean specifically a virgin in this context. It is incorrectly rendered a young woman in the Revised Standard Version. Amen. To make matters worse, this liberal version translates Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. In other words, they they got Matthew 1.23 right. But by getting Matthew 1.23 right, it makes it look like Jesus misquoted that, and Matthew got it wrong, and it makes it look like the Greek is an incorrect translation of the Hebrew in matthew seven fourteen when in truth. Matthew one twenty three is the correct translation. Amen. Now, i just simply say that not only is the doctrine of the virgin birth undermined in the Revised Standard Version, but also the doctrine of the infallibility of the Bible by that one verse in those two different places being translated two different ways. And I believe there's no fundamentalist Christian, nobody that stands strong on the truth, would accept as his standard a theologically liberal translation of the Bible like the RSV. Amen. I'm not just here to complain about the RSV, but I'm saying that's why we don't use it. We use the King James, because the King James got it right. Here's another example, the Good News Bible, properly called Today's English Version. One time they called it the Good News Bible, and now TEV, the Today's English Version, was translated by a neo-Orthodox man by the name of Richard Bratcher, and it purposefully replaces the word blood with the word death in many of the New Testament passages that refer to the blood of Christ. For example, Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Mr. Bratcher, because of his dislike for the blood, took away the word blood of his cross and put in that he made peace through his death on the cross. Also in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 19, the Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Again, Mr. Bratcher in today's English version replaces the word blood of Jesus with the word death of Jesus. Revelation chapter number 1, verse number 5, the Bible says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Again, Mr. Bratcher replaces the word blood with the word death. He washed us from our sins with his death. Now, I don't understand how that a death can wash away sins. Amen. I understand Christ died. Amen. I'm glad he did die. But he didn't just die. He shed his blood. Amen. And I was thinking about this some time ago, that in the case of the Passover lamb, in Egypt, when they had to kill that Passover lamb, just killing the lamb wasn't good enough. They had to shed its blood. They had to apply that blood to the doorpost. Amen. And I'm telling you, Mr. Bratcher and the translators, therefore, the Good News Bible, they called it. Now, that doesn't sound like good news to me, by the way, when they take away the word blood and replace it with the word death. But Mr. Bratcher there in Revelation says that he washed us with his death. Rather than with his blood. Also, Mister Bratcher replaces the word virgin with the word girl in Luke one twenty seven, where it just calls Mary a girl rather than a virgin. Jesus was born of a girl, rather than being born of a virgin. I say again, as I said about the Revised Standard Version, what is miraculous about a girl having a baby? It happens. It happens all the time. Doesn't it? I mean, it happens all the time, but I'm glad I've got a miracle working God. I've got a savior that was born miraculously. He was not just a baby born to a girl. He was a baby born to a virgin, which means that she was not involved with a man. It means that man was not involved. It was all of God. Amen. Now, other versions, such as the Phillips translation and the New English Bible, uh, were also produced by liberal and neo-Orthodox religionists. For that reason, we do not use them. We discard them. Amen. Now, you may think that this is just one result of theological hair-splitting or theologically straining at gnats. But I want to tell you, the blood is an important doctrine for the salvation of sinners. Amen. Here's the correct view of the blood, Colossians 1.14, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood." Even the forgiveness of sin. I'm glad Jesus shed His blood that I might have redemption. First Peter chapter number one, verses 18 and 19. For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, even as a lamb without spot and without blemish. I'm glad I'm birthed. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By the way, when they take out the blood, they're taking out the precious blood that we need for salvation. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. Amen. Or unto the death. Amen. They overcame him by the blood. Now, when you go taking away the saving blood, you have deleted a cardinal and critical doctrine from the Bible. When you take away the deity of Christ, you have blasphemed God and damaged vital doctrine. Now, these modern versions not only weaken doctrine, but they absolutely desecrate the true teachings of Scripture and devastate the faith of the believer. We sing that great song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, if you take the blood of Jesus away, you're left with nothing to wash your sins away. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, when you have a book that you call a Bible and you allow that book to take away the blood, you've done great damage to your Bible. You've done great damage to the faith of those that might believe. Now, I'm saying we have theological reasons. In other words, I believe these are vital doctrines is what I'm saying. You're getting into another religion when you take the blood of Jesus away. That's a whole different religion than Christianity. If you don't have the blood of Jesus, you don't have salvation. Amen. And I'm telling you, when you go to messing with the salvation of sinners, you're messing in God's territory. Amen. Listen, these are God's words, and he warned us not to be taken away from them. I mean, he warned us not to be adding to them. Deuteronomy chapter number 12 and verse number 32, the Bible says, What things, soever I command you, observe to do it, and thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Amen. When God says for us to do something, He said, I want you to do it just like that. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. His words should not be added. His commandments should not be added to it. And His commandments should not have anything taken away from them. Revelation chapter number 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book, by the way, some of those other versions leave that verse in there that says they're not supposed to be tampering with it, but many of those versions (laughs) conveniently leave that verse out. Amen. God said, don't mess with my words. It's it's like this. If you were to walk on somebody's property and there's a sign there on a tree that says no trespassing, if you yank that sign down, wad it up, and throw it on the ground, does that mean you're not trespassing? No. It means you're still trespassing. You just disregarded the sign. You disregarded uh, the warning. Now, I'm telling you, God gave a warning, don't mess with my words, and they're disregarding his warnings. The Bible says in Psalm 12, verses 6 through 8, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. I want to ask you a question. How do wicked men get exalted? How do vile and wicked men get exalted? They get exalted by desecrating the words of God. These men have gotten great educations in fine institutions, and yet their hearts are wicked, their hearts are vile, and so they deny the words of God, they deny the miracles of God, And they tamper with them in order to change them. God has declared that these are his words and he will preserve them. Job chapter number 23 and verse number 12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Amen. Job was a very godly man. Job testified to us that he not only uh, had the words of God precious to God, but he saw the words of God as precious to him. He said that they were more precious than his necessary food. Why is it that godly people seek to keep and preserve the words of God, and yet wicked and vile men seek to erase and destroy the words of God? Amen. Here, I've got about one minute left. Let me give you some scholarly facts concerning the words just of the New Testament that are either omitted or added in these modern versions. The New King James Version omits 2,289 words in the New Testament. The New International Version, NIV, omits 5,219 words, 16 complete sentences in the New Testament. The New American Standard Version omits 3,561 words and 17 complete verses. The New Revised Standard Version omits 3,890 words and 18 complete verses, The Revised Standard Version, the RSV, omits 6,985 words and 25 complete verses in the New Testament. And then the Living Bible adds 17,003 words and omits 7 complete verses. Well, I've run out of time. I'm saying don't add to God's Word. Don't take away from God's Word. Let's hang on. To God's Word. That's why we are going to stay with the King James Bible. And that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. So we're going to have to break in the message right there, but Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow and continue this message throughout this week. Hope you'll tune in this same time every Monday through Friday for another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. Until then, this is Pastor Farrell Shepherd saying good day and God bless you.